As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. Welcome to the Gangs of Hollywood podcast. Hey gang, and indeed, welcome to the Gangs of Hollywood, episode number 11. And on this episode, I've got something just a little different with 1999's Ghost Dog, The Way of the Samurai. And I've also got a brand new guest that I know has a true love of this movie. And I have to say, he's also the only person that I know with an IMDb profile that doesn't include pornography. Mr. Bo Ransdell. How are you, sir? Hello. I, you know, I, I have a letterbox full of pornography, though. No, that's so, home pornography, though. That, that's okay. Yeah. Um, thanks very much. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm eager to talk about this movie. Uh, I think it is awesome. Um, and and we're kind of on a roll because we, we spoke not very long ago at all. And it was just a week ago, just a week ago and talked about Looper, which I also think is kind of an awesome movie. Uh, we we now know something very special about Looper. It's actually an X-Men movie, which makes it that much better. That's right. It's a, it is a secret superhero movie. And... Uh, Ghost Dog almost is too in a weird way, but it's kind of like it, it's very artsy. It's a little bit fartsy. Mm-hmm. There, but there, it, there is a a true mission, you know, a man with a you know a goal and a uh, an ethos, if you will. Yeah, well, and it's sort of about the twilight of competing ethos. Um, yes, and but it, like. That's the thing. It's a Jim Jarmusch film, so it is a bit high-minded, but it's also, because it's a Jarmusch film, kind of silly sometimes and kind of absurd. And, that is very true. And now, it works, b- man. B- it, oh, it does. Now, before we go any further, yes, uh, there are people out there, and I know this is a little shocking, there are people out there that actually are not that familiar with your work. Would what? you like to give them... I know, it's astounding... Um, I mean, look, they may have only seen you from the waist down, is what I'm saying. Oh, yeah, um, that's fair. Yeah, so could you maybe give them a, a brief introduction? Sure. Uh, in addition to running legionpodcasts.com, uh, you can also check out the the movie I wrote, uh, what is called Lost After Dark, uh, which is awesome uh, kind of a... Th- thank you very much. It's kind of a, a throwback slasher kind of, kind of deal. And uh, uh, then over at legionpodcasts.com, we do a bunch of horror podcasts and there's some political stuff and I think we've got a knitting show now. Um, why not? Yeah, why not? Uh, it's really just kind of a collective of people who uh, enjoy putting out podcasts about movies and whatnots and um and talking about them and and i've been incredibly proud to uh present this as well so it is nice to be here it is nice to participate in it's weird because most of the time like i see the shows and i'm like doing the youtube stuff and blah 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 legion uh, youtube.com forward slash legion podcasts and uh uh but i'm not on those shows and I've when I'm doing that, I always feel like, well, why am I not on these shows? I should be on all of them. <laughs> but it, that, that's right. I run the network. Why am I not on the show? It's not even about that. It's just that, that my never-ending need to be talking about a movie to somebody. It's a, sure. it's a real problem. 
Sure. I can understand that. And really, this movie is one of those movies that everyone should be talking about, as well as the two movies that are closely tied to it. And we'll get into that a little bit later. But I think before we get too, uh, too dug in, we should listen to the trailer. Oh, please. Even if a samurai's head were to be suddenly cut off, he should still be able to perform one more action with certainty. If one becomes like a revengeful ghost and shows great determination, though his head is cut off, he should not die. We've got a really big problem at home. What we need to do is eliminate the scumbag whack fight. Mr. Vargo wants every member of his family to make it a priority to erase this weirdo. This killer needs to be neutralized, erased from the face of the planet. This guy is a professional. Going after him could be very dangerous. Early, this is of course 1999's Ghost Dog, The Way of the Samurai, with a runtime of one hour and 56 minutes, and you will be glued for every single one of those minutes. There is no doubt about that. Our friends at IMDb say that a hitman who lives by the code of the samurai works for the mafia and finds himself in their crosshairs when his recent job doesn't go according to planned. Now he must find a way to defend himself and his honour while retaining the code he lives by. That's actually quite succinct for IMDb. That's not bad. That's pretty close. You know, like it, it lacks nuance for sure, but mm. what are you going to do? Um, well, you know, it, it hasn't got off on like a, a weird tangent talking about just like one person out of the movie and you're going, they're on for like 30 seconds. Nonetheless, thanks for whoever did that. Um, IMDb rating of 7.5, which I think is, it's not bad. It could be higher, but it's not bad. A, it's in the ballpark. rating. Yeah, and uh, now this has got an R rating, and I was a bit surprised by that, to be honest. There's no nudity. No, it's violence. It's the language and violence, is what it is. Yeah, which are neither terrible, but. No, yeah, but I mean, look, uh, admittedly, some of the the language is a little like, oh, oh, it's a little winceworthy for sure. Right, and you only get. It's either one or two fucks. I don't know what the current state of of the fuckdom is. But you, know, you get one or two in a PG-13 movie, and anything over that is is R. 
So, True. And, and there's a lot of racial slurs in this movie, uh, which may be part of the reason that a god bump died. Uh, you know, but Glory, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, okay. That okay. movie is PG-13, and that is rife with uh, with epithets. And yeah, no, I think it's just the F-bomb. That just shows you what a fucked up place America is, where it's like, look, eh. the thing that is going to prevent this from young eyes seeing it is the mm. amount of, of fucks of, that of, are given. Of fucks. Yeah, okay, well, apparently there are none given. So, uh, as you mentioned earlier, this is directed by Jim Jarmusch. Yes. Probably best known most recently for The Dead Don't Die in 2019, mm-hmm. which is a an awesome movie there's yeah and I mean he's kind of been on a roll Only Lovers Left Alive I thought was really good Um, I'm a big Down by Law fan because you put Tom Waits in a movie directed Uh by Jim Jarmusch and I'm kind of there for it yeah. And Roberto it, 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 Benini's in that movie. Uh, early Roberto Benini. Um, yeah, yeah. And but yeah, Jarmish is great. He he's one of those directors that is very artsy. Like uh, there's a lot of long takes and a lot of hmm. like I said, there's a lot of absurdity in his movies. But hmm. it, but they're really good films. There's always something that he's saying with the movies. You know, he just doesn't do a thing to do a thing. There's always. At the end of the day, there's a lesson to be learned in the films that, that he does. Um, and, yeah, and, and have a real stylish kind of eye. And uh, and the thing that I love so much about Ghost Dog is not only does it have all those Jim Jarmusch flares, he really embraces just hip-hop as a, 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 a text to the film. That it, that, see the soundtrack. What you put those two things together, and the I mean the soundtrack on its own is killer. Man, look, uh, I love RZA. I love Wu Tang. Yeah. I'm a big fan, and yeah. and RZA, it, the score that he does for this film is fucking insanely good. Um, it is. And, and, and it's so counterpoint to the the old school mafia guys that are in it, and oh, just so fucking. Fantastic. But even their fans, like you've got the dude who who does one of Sonny. my favorite Public Enemy <laughs> songs called "Lampin' yeah. with the Flavor," uh, doing it in his bathroom right before he gets capped. Um, just like I'm lamping, I'm lamping, I'm stone cold lamping, and you're like, "What the fuck is happening? This is the greatest movie I've ever seen." But yeah. but it's. Ugh. I, I like the and and to me in a in a weird way it's Jarmish at that time saying like this is just part of the culture now you know yeah. this is uh, it it influences everything um, all the interactions you see between kind of young black males in the film. Hmm. Uh, it's always positive. It's always like they like Ghost Dog respecting them, them respecting Ghost Dog. You've got the you know guys freestyling in the park and uh, the dudes by the doorway who are in red, the kind of banger looking guys. And they're yeah. always every time you see Ghost Dog roll past, it's just like respect Ghost Dog. What uh, up, dog? Right. You're like. <laughs> God damn, this movie is cool. Anyway. Oh, it is. It's so cool. It is so cool. So now, speaking of the aforementioned uh, Ghost Dog, played by Forrest Whitaker. (sighs) Now, Forrest Whitaker is one of the... He's one of the... uh, I think strange is the right word, or striking might be probably the better word. 
actors that you will ever see. I mean, he's, his look is... He's not a handsome man. Um, he, he's he's a big guy. Everything, like, if you put it all down on paper, it'd be like, no, thanks, next. Yeah. But you see him act and, and you see him carry it off. You know, things like this and, like, The Last King of Scotland is, that'll blow the top of your head off. That it's just yeah. insane. You're not wrong, but one that he kind of gets undersold on He's great in Good Morning Vietnam as Garlic. Yes. The yes. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's fantastic in that movie. He's he, it's a a supporting role, but nobody could have done it better. And no, it, no. like Forrest Whitaker is awesome, and no. I liked him before I saw this. And then mm. when I saw this, I was like, "What in the? Why is he not? Why do we not have a national holiday?" For how cool Forrest Whitaker is in this movie. Why have we not got more, more Forrest Whitaker? I mean, look, you know, he did, obviously, Species in 95, where he played a psychic. That was a little interesting. Yeah, um, I don't like to think of that too much. Yeah, that's, it's, that's the... But he, he was in The Crying Game, which I think is, um, for so many reasons, a fantastic movie. Sure. Yeah, and he's a great... He's a great supporting character, and yeah. and that's usually his function. Like most recently, it was what Rogue One, yep. where he was he was the uh, kind of surrogate father uh, character. Um, mm. Yeah, but it's nice to see him front and center for a movie like this, and because it's Jim Jarmusch, and because they're it's low budget, and they're just shooting on the streets of New York and whatnot, <laughs> um, and the rooftops of New York uh, quite a bit. Mm. Um, you know he's he's the name in the film, yes, yeah. and he's the star, and he carries them. Like this movie would fail spectacularly if he were not at least good in it. And it's mm. to his credit that the movie is not only good; it's kind of transcendent. <laughs> and uh, and it, and one I mean, of the reasons you put it, you put an that, action you put an action hero in this, you know, like a I don't know, pick anyone, and right. it, it's a different movie. And I don't think it would be, and this is probably the wrong word, but so soulful. Like there's something about him. You know, he he's not he's not a hero. He's not he's not fantastic. He's not handsome. You know, he's not the classic good look. This is a guy that you know is is working. He's a working man doing his job, and you know he carries it all off. But I think it. <clears throat> sorry, excuse me. You put someone that is you know classically handsome and is an action hero, and it's lost. Uh, all of the all of the Jim Jarmushness about it yeah. is lost because you've got this attractive human in it. All this, but you know, with Forrest Whitaker, you're seeing him as a man. Yeah, I mean, on paper, Ghost Dog as a character is a grade A weirdo. Oh yeah, and, and so you have to have. Uh, I mean, it helps that the script is is actually quite good in this film, and mm. uh, but. Forrest Whitaker, I think Soulful is a really good way to put it. He he is he is this kind of perpetually sad character who understands that the the thing that means the most to him that that this code that he lives by the the way of the samurai um, is is a vanished idea, and that in yeah. many ways he is the last samurai mm-hmm. and. And there is something melancholy about that, and and there's something melancholy about his character, even though it's it's completely self-imposed. But I think that's one of the points of the movie is that all of the, all of the constructs by which everyone lives in this movie are self-imposed. 
Yeah. And, oh, absolutely. Um, but yeah, I, it, to the larger point about Forrest Whitaker, um, yeah, he 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 not only ties this movie together, he's one of the things that elevates it uh, to the status it is, which is quite high in my opinion. But oh, yeah, without a doubt, it, it is it is there. But then you, I mean, I suppose you counterpoint Forrest Whitaker with Henry Silver. Yeah. Well. Who, <laughs> says very little in the whole movie, realistically. But, you know, Henry Silver is, you know, almost a quintessential TV bad guy. Everything about him says he's a bad guy. Yeah. Well, the thing that's interesting about every other character in the movie almost is that they're just, they're all old Law & Order actors. You know, that they're just a bunch of New York actors who are probably, and in some cases, probably not actors at all. There are a lot of performances in this in this movie where you're like, I think that just might be a dude, you know? <laughs> if you got 10 minutes, can you come and just sit? I ne- Yeah, I need you to be old, and at some point, you're going to keel over dead. Oh. And that character is the absolute best, man. This this movie is... So Passenger cool. pigeons! <laughs> Man, when he shouts passenger pigeons, it'll it'll wake you up. It'll scare the shit mm. out of you. That whole scene though, that that scene where um you know, uh uh oh god, what's his name? The Louis. Louis, Louis. when Louis goes. Yeah. So, should we explain the premise of of, well, of let, this let, or or keep going? I'm let, sorry. We'll, we'll keep going. No, that's okay. That's okay. Um well, we'll, we'll obviously we've talked about Henry Silver. We've talked about Forrest Whitaker. Um the the guy that does the bit of flavor flavor is actually Cliff Gorman. Um who you won't have seen, but he was in uh, Hoffa in 92 mm-hmm. and uh Angel in 84, which is ooh, that's a rough movie. Um the only other actor I wanted to call out was the fact that young Ghost Dog is played by Damon Whitaker, who's uh, Forrest's younger brother. That's great. It's, it's just like, how how cool is that? The God day you are just the right age, the right fit, everything else, and it's in there. Um, I wonder I wonder whose idea that was. I wonder if that was Forrest Whitaker being like, hey, my brother looks a lot like me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like, he could use some work. Right. <laughs> he, could, he, he could use, you know, like a, a day's worth of shooting. Damon's Got trying it. to get his sad card. Yeah, well, there you go. That's what it is. So, um, I, I just want to sort of get into some of the details in the movie before we hit the hit the beats of it. Just yeah. to try, obviously give give those that aren't familiar and shame on you uh, if you're listening uh, to talk about it. And so, this obviously this was written and directed by Jim Jarmusch, which is um, he does that quite a bit though, doesn't he? Like writes and directs. Yeah, he is very much an auteur kind of director. Where when you watch a Jim Jarmusch film, you are watching a Jim Jarmusch film. He is. Yes. He, he is it's, the guy. Yes. Um. um for for better yeah, or worse, sometimes he misfires. Yeah. Let's not let's let's all be real about Jim Jarmusch. But when yeah. he when he when he is on all cylinders, one oh, of the best director, yeah. but certainly one of the best indie directors out there. Oh yeah, yeah. He's definitely not a, a, a studio director. Um. So and look, you know, I mentioned that uh, I'd back to back this with um 67's Les Samurai mm-hmm. and 67's Branded to Kill, and like there's whole there's whole scenes out of those two movies that are directly um in Ghost Dog, mm-hmm. which is which when you think about it, this is uh, you know essentially thirty years later and from two very different places. 
Um, you know, weirdly enough, those two movies obviously came out at the same time. In but you know, one is you know a, essentially a, a Japanese um, yakuza movie, and the other one's uh, a French crime drama. Uh, and I, I don't know how familiar you are with those two movies at all, Bo. I'm I'm more familiar. I've seen Le Samurai, and I've I know branded, but I've never seen it. I like I know the reputation of the film. It's it, it, it's, it's on bonkers. the same. It's on the same list as Battle for Algiers for me, where it's like I know I need to see it. Yeah, uh, it's uh, it's bonkers. Uh, I said I watched all three back to back last night just to just to tie them together, and and the aesthetic is very similar. Like it's very uh, very austere. It's not um, dialogue heavy, but it is about that central. Um, I suppose lone wolf character for you know for good or for bad that that is a, you know, a killer for money, and yeah. you know when, when you see the elements that are in this, you know the when Sonny gets shot when we talk we were talking about Sonny before when he's dancing in his bathroom giving on a bit of uh, a flavor flavor um, that's that scene is directly from um, Brandon to kill like there's a hot, and it's almost identical. Um, except that the guy that dies is an optometrist. An optometrist? Yeah, he makes glass eyes. Yeah. Um, uh, which is weird and creepy. Um, <laughs> no, there's a scene where he literally slams a glass eye into a guy's face. <laughs> I do like, need oh. to see this movie. That sounds awesome. He, he pops it out, and this is like getting off on a tangent, but that's okay. He pops the glass eye out of, the, out of what appears to be a dummy, although there's a lot of wriggling things behind it, which is creepy in itself, and then puts it back in the guy's face, literally like sits it on top of his eye and slams his hand on the guy's eye to put it back in his head. And it's just like, oh, <laughs> winkity. Um, yeah, I do need to watch this. This sounds great. Uh, and meanwhile, uh, the the killer who's uh, underneath uh, shoots him right up through the through the the pipe in his sink. Um, as, as is the scene. So the scene with Forrest Whitaker when he's at Vargo's estate mm-hmm. and the bird lands on his rifle. Yeah, which is like exactly the same scene, um, except that it's a butterfly that lands on the assassin's rifle in Brandon to kill. Oh wow! Okay. Um, and there's a couple other pieces that are like literally like almost, you know, different, I suppose, different background, but the actual shot itself is almost identical. It's really, really amazing, um, to, I suppose, put those together, but the three movies like back to back will just, it'll do um, weird things to your brain. Um, sounds like very good things though. Oh, look, amazing things. Cause you go from, um, hip hop to, um, French jazz to, discordant quite japanese soundscapes mm-hmm. and of course the three different languages sure. <laughs> it's like oh this is amazing anyway moving on moving on so um where was i apparently roger ebert who i know you're very familiar with from uh pick six movies yes he is he, it, kind of our mascot he is uh he gave it three out of four stars describing the film as truly profoundly weird yeah but i it's one of those things that I feel like the the more absurd moments of the movie sort of are that is the frosting on the cake that there yeah. is a lot going on in this movie that's actually quite serious and, and quite somber um, mm. but but done in you know with the trappings of uh, as you said kind of you know this weird blend of mob movie and samurai film. Mm. and 
it just it it is incredibly unique like it's not a movie that everyone could make and it's also not a movie i have discovered uh after over the course of my life making an, uh, a number of would-be girlfriends watch this with me and i'm like i i know just watch it it's really good and then the perplexed look on their face after and i'm like ah mm. oh, fuck all right well <laughs> Uh, you win some you oh, see I actually I watched this uh, actually I watched well two out of the three films um, with my teenage daughter oh wow and um, she was all on board for Ghost Dog 100% on board for Ghost Dog sure that, you know obviously you know a bit of Rizzer and everything else in the background definitely helped um, but you know when we slid into La Samurai yeah, she started to fade a little bit it was just like well, the phone came out and I went yeah okay she's over it you're right uh, but she was 100% on board for Ghost Dog there was she thought it was fantastic yeah she, uh, it, it, but like I said I think you go one way or the other with it and, but I mean, I think that's that's Jarmusch across the board. I mean, um, the dead don't die. So many people loved it, but so many people were like, "That was just it." Was, what was it? It was weird for the sake of being weird and a little boring. And it's just like, but you did did you not understand what was going on? Did you not get you know? Did did you not engage with the characters? Because that movie is so. It, it's strange isn't the right word there's just something about it it's compelling but it's compelling in almost that I need to know type way not not a car wreck type way where right. it's like oh my god it's terrible it's I want to engage I want to be involved with these people because there's something just not quite right about them well I, I think particularly with that movie it, it makes the apocalypse incredibly mundane Hmm. in a way that's very funny to me i i really like that i think uh like i said i think i think jarmish has been on a little bit of a roll and um i think only lovers loved alive is one of those movies that is it's hard to argue that like hmm. not a lot happens in this movie but also it's sort of just like this movie you wallow in it's just beautiful yeah. and there's beautiful people in it and they're bemoaning eternal life and shit it's just kind of cool and and that's that's how i feel about a lot of his work and and certainly about ghost dog there's just this vibe to it that yeah. like if you resonate at that frequency then ghost dog is a movie that you will immediately fall in love with Oh. And yeah, like, and, and, ugh, it just is. <laughs> yeah, there's not like you said. I think it, it's your reaction to it is going to be either boredom and apathy, or you're gonna be like, how I I need to get a ghost dog shirt. <laughs> That's right. Uh, uh, you know, I, I, I'm gonna go and I'm gonna read every book that was mentioned in this movie just to get the emotional connection to what he's doing. Right. Like I I've got a copy of the Hagakure. Oh, from Amazon on the way already, and I'm leaving my family to go live as an indentured warrior. Um, yeah, on a rooftop. Man, let's talk about the rooftops for a second. Because there is, it is the second layer to New York in this film. There is mm. what happens on the streets, and that's more the mob stuff. Mm. And then there is this collection of fucking oddballs and weirdos that populate the rooftops of New York. <laughs> I've never seen so many people uh, with with uh, pigeons living on rooftops. I didn't know that that was that much of a thing in New York. Not just pigeons, man, but 
and it's one of my favorite scenes of the movie. I think it's absolutely a beautiful scene. But the scene where it's Ghost Dog and his uh, foreign ice cream vendor uh, friend. Raymond. 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 Who... Who they do not understand one another whatsoever, except no. not not at least vocabulary wise. But they're good buddies, and it's them w- looking down on a guy who's building a boat on top of his roof. Oh, yes. And and is this moment of like perfect absurdity of what on earth are you ever gonna do with a boat on a roof? And you know them actually laughing about like how's he ever going to get it down yeah. and but but it's also there there's something kind of magical about that and kind of beautiful about that and mm. uh and i think that's part of the film that like that that to me the the ability that ghost dog has to stop and appreciate this moment of like human beauty and absurdity is what mm. makes his code worthwhile like well it's a it's a direct parallel to his code that's a commitment to to a path yes that guy made a made an open decision that he was regardless of anything else he was going to build that boat doesn't make sense but he believes in it right that's right he fully believes in it he's committed to it and he's going to see it through to the end regardless of what happens and you know that that so much directly ties to you know ghost dog story and even his relationship with raymond right you know you said it neither of them speak the other's language but they're friends yeah they they go they they chat regardless that they're potentially chatting about completely different things but they interact and they're committed to that relationship yeah i mean they they actually see each other as friends um and it goes both ways like it's not just raymond or ghost dog it is they they mutually care about each other and (laughs) and but it's not because of the shared language clearly it's just this kind of sense of community and there really is this neighborhood feel to this movie like this whole Mm. movie feels like it takes place in about like three square blocks of new york yeah, well, that's that's right. I mean, you know, you mentioned earlier when you, when you see the young African Americans, you know, and you know they all they all know each other clearly, um, and there's an element of respect and everything else. Like you said, it feels like you know it is you know there there's a, a set of, of blocks that live that are next to the park, and you know they all know each other, and that's where they live and and everything else. And it's not, you know, it's not Manhattan. It's it's not the picture of New York that you see normally. This is, you know, this is an urban area. This is where people actually live. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's got kind of shitty cars parked in front of buildings that could use a little bit of repair, but they're not falling down, but they're, you know, th- this isn't the best part of town. Yeah, you're right. And and but that's also kind of the the area that this mob has staked out because mm. the mob is in decline. Like they're mm. in the days of uh, you know, the St. Valentine's Day massacre and shit like that is 50 years ago. Mm-hmm. And the mob well, is but, just ineffectual. And, and it's, yeah. they are ghost there, dogs. No, they're clinging to yeah, a, a belief system. They, you know, there's, there's no, there's no pickups for protection. There's, you know, it's not a bustling area. There's no storefronts, you know, that are, you know, I've got the money to be able to pay them for protection or anything else like that. You know, there's, 
there's a distinct absence of, of drug dealers or prostitutes. All of the things that the mob would normally be tied to are gone. Right. Well, they're just and, killing each other because that's all there is to do. Yeah. There's nothing else left. Yeah. Um, and, and that's that's probably a really... It's a good point to start talking about, I suppose, the the beats of the film. And, you know, we mentioned that, you know, that community and everything else. You know, I don't... The, I reckon if you're not hooked in by the, in the first five minutes, you're potentially not going to be there. And the reason I say that is that opening aerial shot mm-hmm. with with the pigeon flying and the track playing underneath it, and, and you know you're seeing Ghost Dog on the, on the roof, and you get the first quote from the book. I reckon if you don't, if you're not sort of just straight in there, then you're going to struggle with the movie because that is. That in itself is just like I could, I you know what I could actually watch an hour and a half of that tracking shot with the track playing underneath it quite happily. samurai is found in death meditation on inevitable death should be performed daily every day when one's body and mind are at peace one should meditate upon being ripped apart by arrows rifles spears and swords being carried away by surging waves being thrown into the midst of a great fire being struck by lightning being shaken to death by a great earthquake falling from thousand foot cliffs dying of disease or committing seppuku at the death of one's master and every day without fail one should consider himself as dead. This is a substance of the way of the samurai. Right. Yes. Yes. The the music, again, it's kind of a perfect storm of a lot of great elements coming together in the music. You just can't overstate how good it is in every single minute of this movie. But yeah, that's, that's really cool. And I would almost say, like, you need to get to... Like what you want my fucking Rolex? Like that yeah. moment and and the first assassination, like the really the inciting incident of the movie, mm. and I think that's really where things get super fun. Like I, again, I, as a fan of this movie, I have watched it a number of times and will watch it, God willing, a number more before I kick off, and I I adore every frame of it, but. If you're the the person like waiting for like, well, when is something going to happen in this movie? 
it's that that is where mm. things like completely explode and a mess of the world is made because essentially ghost dog as you said is a hired killer is hired to kill this dude uh goes to his place murders him but when he does so he realizes that there's this young woman there mm. and he doesn't like this guy was supposed to be as alone was the intel that he had he operates very quietly very cleanly he is never seen and he doesn't do anything he does uh actually what he does is he takes the girl's book uh yes, which with, is rashomon rashomon and um and leaves 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 her alone leaves her alone with the this murdered mobster hmm uh, and it's always oh, it's a mix with that you know you're getting a narrated sections from the book um which are so good you know they that's it's almost like the the chapter title on each, each section of the movie you know giving you an understanding about what's going to go on and you know there's things about you know when things turn bad and, and things about you know a, a samurai's master and being indentured and everything else and even even the bit with you know when he kills handsome frank who's uh who's sleeping with the boss's daughter um vargo's daughter who's who the young girl is he's sitting there watching betty boop cartoons yeah which is like straight away it's like they're old they're black and white they're something that is completely in the past yeah and that's that's you know that's again another theme that runs through the whole movie all of the gangsters watch these just crappy old cartoons all the time Right. they're the cartoons from their youth one presumes yeah and well you would think so yeah yeah well because there's the the bit uh in the in uh one of the passages from the the way of the samurai um that is all about like people yearning from the past like that that time is gone you have mm. to learn to appreciate the generation you're in and that's a lesson that ghost dog never really learns you know mm. uh and neither do the mobsters but it's it, yeah so it turns out that because the boss's daughter was in the room it's because this mob has fuck all else to do <laughs> yeah they're just like well we've got to kill ghost dog now and one of the greatest scenes in cinema history happens where they call louie in to ask him like what what's the fucking deal with this dude for the past four years this guy's done maybe 12 perfect contracts Perfect, like a ghost. He's very valuable. He's totally untraceable. I'm sure he didn't realize anyone was going to be there when he did the handsome Frank. Oh, he would have backed off. He sure as hell didn't notice she was going to be there. Louis, unless you want to be buried next to Frank, now is the time to tell us everything you know about this mysterious, ghost-like, untraceable fucking button man. Okay, okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, I, I don't pay him by the job. He'll only work if I pay him once each year. Always on the first day of autumn. That's the way he wants it. First day of autumn, I settle up for whatever contracts he's done for that past year, see? The first day of autumn. Okay, okay. Let's just skip that part for now. Where does he live? Fuck if I know. That, that's the next strange thing. Because I can't just call him up because, well, he contacts me only through a bird. You see, since I first started contracting stuff out to this guy, the bird comes every single day. Hold it, hold it, hold it. Did you say he contacts you through a fucking bird? Did I just hear you say that? What particular species of bird? It's a pigeon. Must be like a, a carrier pigeon or whatever. Passenger pigeon! Passenger pigeon's been extinct since 1914! Am I fucking dreaming here or what? All right, Louis, forget about the bird, okay? Let me ask you this. Tell me, what does this mysterious guy look like? Could you maybe tell me that much? 
He's a big guy, a big black guy. <laughs> yeah, the whole conversation, you know, did, did you just say context you threw a bird? Did I just hear you say that? And yeah. Like, like, we, we get the, the origin fuck? story of Ghost Dog, which is just that he was this kid who was getting picked on. Louis stepped in and shot a, shot a dude. <laughs> <laughs> and and that was it like that was the only contact and then ghost dog just showed up and was like hey here's the arrangement you're gonna mm. pay me every what like autumnal equinox or whatever the fuck no you, the first day of autumn the first you're right he, the, the first yeah. day of autumn for yeah. all the work i do for you for you for a year i am your your warrior and you are my uh my master essentially and God. Yeah, and and that's the origin story of Ghost Dog. Like, you still don't really know anything about him uh, or where he came from. Like, where, like it seemed like he had this the, this code of of uh, the samurai as a very young man. Mm. And it's it right. There's just no explanation. It just is. Huh. You know, it it, it just is. It, it, it's sort of like that's the pivotal moment where his life all of a sudden had purpose. Like you said, you know, he could have. He could have lived his whole life up until that point, which is potentially why those guys were like absolutely kicking his backside. Yeah, maybe um, so. Who knows? But all of a sudden, you know, at that point, he's got purpose. You know, he he's got essentially a master to serve. Uh, and you know, but he goes sort of the extra step of going. You know, we'll only communicate through homing pigeons, right? And, and the other the, monsters the bird, are it, just like, the what the fuck, uh, what the home? fuck. <laughs> Yeah, passenger yeah. pigeons anyway but but go on because it like they keep grilling louie on this and it just gets fucking crazy like when you say it out loud it's one of those things of like yeah you're fucking yes it was pigeons that yeah, yeah just uh, I've, I've, and like louis is like i never asked it just worked you know he sent me the pigeon i told him a thing he did it i pay him once a year that's you know and he's done you know and and louis walks falls back to but he's done good work it's always been quiet you know he's 12 kills in the last 12 months no problems at all um you know and it's all been it's all been fantastic but then it's still like they fall back to the pigeons <laughs> right pigeons and, and the birds and it's like well how do we how do we essentially rub this guy out because he's got to go He's seen the boss's daughter. Um, he's killed a made man with handsome Frank. Um, there's there's got to be, I suppose, some face saving, despite the fact that they all know that it was an internal job. Right. Yeah, like I said, they've got nothing else but killing each other now. Right. They hired him to kill handsome Frank. And then because of the daughter being there or whatever, it was deemed like a bad hit. So now they have to kill him and and try to kill uh, Louis as well, um, but uh, but Ghost Dog uh, defends his his master and also shoots him to make it look yeah. like he attacked him um, in the shoulder. In yeah, the sh- it's a really I great save. Of like, just you might as well just shoot me. Like, yeah. did, did you? All right. Yeah. No. I, I, yeah. Kill me. Just kill me now. Just shoot me. Okay. Boof, and just shoots him fair square in the shoulder and you know you get the well, one of the the affectations that I, i'm i'm curious whether that was a it was a choice that just happened is the is the the sword swipe before he holsters his gun oh man i love it i love it um yeah it, it, it it's very 
it, it is the flair of a samurai as he puts away his yeah. weapon and yeah he does this weird flourish with his gun before he he slips it under his coat again and i dig it i think like i wish i could get away with it i don't have that kind of cool but no no well i don't think any of us do i mean even seeing um ghost dog go through um his kendo routine on the roof Mm -hmm. you know look straight away uh he's not a graceful guy by any stretch but he pulls it off it's in weird slow motion yeah that sort of extra frame where you're seeing like multiple images but again it just works and you know you tie that straight back to the the flourish with the gun and it's like he lives this like non-stop there there is nothing else that he does in his life that isn't tied to he, him being you know a samurai um and <laughs> right he he's living it's by just- a moral code that's what the 15th century and oh, something like that yeah yeah so he, he at some point in his life again well before you ever meet this character he has made this choice mm. and and now is on a collision course with another you know belief system that also is focused around death and battle which is the mafia yeah and, yeah, and, and it, it, it's all about honor and even like you know you've got between this you've got the intermittent sections where the mobsters are going up on all the roofs and you know trying to find where he lives and everything else and you know like they're old they're out of breath oh you know they can God. barely make it up the stairs um and you know like even when they they come across the large american indian guy and you know and he, he they shoot one of his birds and he just does a fucking crazy white man just fucking crazy yeah. white man and it's just like again here's racially someone who is from you know a long history of you know warriors and everything else and he's just looking at him going you guys are fucked yeah <laughs> you guys are just lost the closest you get to a sympathetic white character in this movie is maybe the daughter. Yeah. Well, like, I mean, by the Lu- end, you just... Yeah, and, but, I mean, Louie is garbage. Yeah. Uh, like, he, he constantly saves himself, even though Forrest Whitaker is quick to tell him Ghost Dog as his samurai is like, no, it's right that you should want to sacrifice me instead of, instead of yourself. That... Mm. You know, there there was the whole passage about like you know a, a samurai that doesn't spend at least part of his day thinking about what it would like be like to be dead is mm. you know it's a wasted fucking day or whatever in the life of a samurai if you don't contemplate your own death at yeah. least a little bit. And, well, and even even the bit where you know like where even after your head's been cut off, you should be able to perform one last service for your master. Yeah, and it's just like you know, oh, just and. And so, ultimately, yeah, like, Ghost Dog has to go after the mob to murder his way through this sh- shitty leftover mob that exists. And uh, and that puts him on a collision course with Louis, who, of course, is a member of this mob family. Huh. And even as Ghost Dog kills every last motherfucker in this oh it's there just style and grace the whole way through yeah you know that that whole bit in in the forest yes and again you know down to even to the point of stealing the clothes from the drunk people you know, so yeah. so he can, you know, he looks like he fits in, and now he's, you know, he's stolen the Mercedes, which he does with amazing ease. Mm-hmm. Um, and interestingly enough, that's another another callback to uh, the Samurai, 
because while Ghost Dog has his magic electronic key, Le Samurai, he has a pocket full of keys on this huge chain um, that he just like pulls out and starts like starts cars, opens doors, does everything. Ah, uh, that's very interesting. It was very, it was, it was a little bit of a callback there. But you know, the, you know, the, the fact he goes and he, you know, he steals the, steals the, um, the license plates from the unsuspecting family and, you know, drives through and it, he, he's decided exactly what's going to happen from, from that point on, he's fully committed to killing everybody. Mm, yes. Without fail. And, and, you know, he gets, he gets there, you get obviously the, when he's looking at everyone through the the sniper scope, just working out what he's going to do, and you obviously get the the scene with the bird that lands um, on his rifle barrel, which again ties to Brandon to kill, which uh, obscures his shot. But you know the the yep, just going to fully commit to it. Just drive up to the house, just completely. You know, you get a quote about uh, killing a person, you should just rush in, just commit to yeah. it and go and do and that's exactly what he does yeah the Four immediate commits. way is is the better way yeah, yeah. oh it's so good yeah when one has made a decision to kill a person even if it will be very difficult to succeed by advancing straight ahead it will not do to think about going at it in a long roundabout way the way of the samurai is one of immediacy and it is best to dash in headlong. Oh, and, you know, goes in, kills like everyone just left, right, center, shoots Louis again in right. the shoulder in the exact same spot. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's like, well, I don't want to, I didn't want to put too many holes in you. Yeah, well, let's be considerate. But, you know, you get the scene with with Vargo, and you know all he says is, "I've been expecting you." You know he knows that this is this was going to happen, mm-hmm. and and you know he he takes the time to you know straighten himself up, fixes his suit, gets comfortable, and then literally just lets him shoot him because he knows that that was going to happen regardless, and he respects it. Yeah, and and Ghost Dog gives him that moment to you know prepare himself to die i mean there's this weird honor on both sides of it that is very archaic um which kind of leads to a scene that we haven't talked about yet and it's not really connected to anything else in the movie other than thematically but it's when he uh stops by the side of the road and it's the 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 hunters have the bear that they've killed with the black bear yeah and and he like ghost dog says uh i why'd you kill him and they say well because uh you don't see too many of these around anymore and when you see one you know you you take your shots and he says so you're killing them because there's not many left Mm. and the hunters are like well come on now that's that sounds like some (laughs) liberal thinking to me and then he just like murders these dudes but there's well they do make a comparison to the fact that there are not too many colored people um uh around either right uh, yeah maybe that they should uh treat him the same way as bears and like so yeah and then he just kills him just straight up kills him well he kills the one dude quick and then the other guy he Mm. shoots out his knee yeah and then when the guy falls down he says uh ghost dog tells him you know in ancient cultures the bear was considered equal to a man and the guy's like well this ain't ancient cultures he goes you know sometimes it is and then just shoots him in the head (laughs) 
Oh, it's oh, he's so oh. fucking cool. Uh, but also, it is yes. Sometimes you know, a, an ancient code of ethics will just suddenly fall into your lap, and if somebody really believes it, like every mm. murder in this movie just happens because people don't have shit else to do. Yeah, and, there, there's no reason for anyone to die in this movie. The fact that they've just got there's nothing else to fight over. Right, honor is the thing. Honor and and. Mm. And I'm kind of torn, you know, when I watch this movie over and over again, I'm, I'm torn by the the notion that there is something so admirable about believing in something so much, but also it it's destructive, mm. you know, to believe mm. in something so rigidly. But then again, it's the guy building the boat on the roof. Like, you got to believe in something. Yeah, you got to believe, uh, uh, and you commit to it. Yeah, once you're in, you commit to it. And and, and going off a complete tangent, this is the storyline for uh, Rorschach in um, Watchmen. Uh, thank you. Had a blank. Love that movie. Love that book. But Rorschach is completely committed to what he does. Mm-hmm. He he is regardless of what happens. He's committed to the truth and 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 his way of doing things and he doesn't care what happens to anybody else you know the point where you know he actually he ends up getting killed because there's no other choice he will be killed because he's committed to the truth and if he can't get to the truth he has to die and for me that's part of the reason why you know i love this story because it's about someone who is just it, it completely committed to what they're doing they're and i mean much like you know i'm almost in awe of it that someone could have that much of a connection and a belief that this is this is the right way to do things this is the way i will live this is what i will do and there is this is my path come hell or high water this is my path and this is what i'll do and it's just you know that regardless of even from the start you know that his ending can't be good no yeah. one in this movie has a good ending because they're committed to to this outmoded sense of honor and and belief. But like you say, you part of part of you wants to go. I wish I believed in something that strongly. Right. I I wish that I had. Uh, it, it makes life easier because then there are rules. You know, yeah. you're it, not, it's, it's either in or it's out. Right, right. There's not this existential floundering that we all do on a daily basis to figure out, like, well, is this right? Did I fuck this up? Have I screwed up my kid? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> yeah. like that kind of shit. And, uh, you know, Ghost Dog, for better or worse, is is single-minded of purpose. There is surely nothing other than the single purpose of the present moment. Man's whole life is a succession of moment after moment. When fully understands the present moment, there will be nothing else to do and nothing else to pursue. And mm-hmm. um, and to to that end, he forces a conclusion to this movie where he knows that one of them has to die, mm. and it, yeah. and he's prepared for it to be him. Well, he firmly believes that it has to be him. Now, right. sort of just hooking back, just just a little yeah, bit. Yeah, please. Um, um, 
when Louis and and Vin escape the house, um, you know, with with Vargo's daughter, and they're driving, and you know, like Vinny's clearly dying, like he's been being killed. Um, and he says, you know what? He he's really like he's actually happy that they're being sent out in the old way, like real gangsters. Right. That is just like that's that that's that underlying message. Um, and then like you get that weird counterpoint where he shoots the the policewoman, and like. All Louis can say is, you know, you shot a broad, you know, you shot a woman. And he just says, no, I just shot a cop. Right. Uh, you know, they want to be equal. And it's just like, Louis is so clearly can't get past the fact that it was a woman. She wasn't a policeman. She was just a woman. And it's that old type of thinking. And then, like, Vinny practically dies happy. And it's just like, okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, he died serving his own master you know which in hmm. in this case was the family you know whatever that represents at this point in in the mob's history like like we've talked about they're a real shitty outfit at this point and yeah 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 they, they're just they're old they're worn out but you know Vinny's happy to die as you know like a proper gangster you know killed in the line of duty and it's a you then you know obviously we're closing out you get the bit with the rainstorm and Sonny's house and, and it's funny like I looked at Sonny's house and the fact that he's got this huge car that won't fit in his garage it's just like you know what that says everything about what they're doing they are living so far past their means that they can't even you know he can't even live somewhere where he can afford to keep the car that he's got you know the hood of it is sticking out yeah in in the weather and it's just like yeah your life is so shitty that it's so paper thin that it's all all a facade and it's just like you know he goes through kills the guy who again is watching cartoons um in the lounge room sneaks under the half open garage door which is like well duh that wasn't that hard and then while uh, while he's given it a bit of uh flavor flav in the bathroom and uh putting powder on his butt um ghost dog shoots him I, through the pipe on or in because he kind of goes after it oh uh, i reckon it's probably in yeah <laughs> gotta be honest i, I reckon he, he fully he fully talks um every crevice it was which which is again it's a that's an old person thing um i don't think people do that anymore do they i yeah i don't think so but that was fisting adjacent at least <laughs> Ooh, it, it was it was definitely in there and i said that that scene uh, is absolutely um, identical to to the scene in in Branded for Life, which is uh, that, really man, that's interesting. So good. Which so strangely good. forecast the existence of the song "Cold Lampin' with the Flavor" as many years Lampin'. ago. <laughs> oh, see, I, I, look, I've got to admit, uh, today uh, when I was preparing, I did have a little bit of fear of a black planet um, uh, running through the house. I mean, because it, I needed it. <laughs> I, look, I am not in any way ironic in my love for Cold Lamp and with the flavor. I think it's amazing. No. Uh, it is. Uh, it, I Flavor Flav may have a lot of problems. He is still <laughs> the best hype man that ever was. Um, yes, yes. I, I love Flavor Flav. I know he's a real weirdo and knucklehead and makes some bad decisions, he, 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 it sounds like. But. He's, he's done some stuff. He's done some stuff. He, um, right, he is... It, 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 MTV have made a lot of money out of him being him. Yeah, but again, you needed a Flavor Flav with a Chuck D. You needed that balance. Yes. And, and yes. anyway, I, anyway. Look, I if you want to just talk about Public Enemy, let's do that. But... Um, sure. 
<laughs> yeah, because no one is better qualified than two middle-aged white guys to talk about public enemy. Clearly, if we've learned nothing else recently, it's that we are the voices that need to be heard now. <laughs> yes, it is. It's, uh, it's of course I'm being sarcastic. But, um, yes, good. for those of you at home, don't, don't write in. Right, please. Please understand I am, I am being uh, highly sarcastic. Um, yeah, but, you know, as someone who, like, as a doughy white kid that grew up loving public enemy too um when seeing a movie like this that you know it it just had that that i keep going back to the word vibe but that's what it is just that this aura Mm. about it of being like effortlessly in the pocket where it just like every scene had the right music it was the right choice like you know there there's a scene I'm kind of waiting to talk about a little bit, uh, but uh, there there is something even about the end of, the, of like the, the showdown at the end of this movie with with Louis and and mm. Ghost Dog. There mm. is that moment where um, Ghost Dog like draws his gun, which you know is not loaded, and he does it just to kind of let louie off the hook i think yeah just to give louie um a feeling that he you know he can justify his actions right i had to do it yeah 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 i had to do it he he pulled his gun i had to do it regardless of the fact that obviously it's empty yeah um and again this um ties to the final scene in uh le samurai where he draws his gun in the middle of the um in the middle of the nightclub and uh, before he can do anything, he's you know he has death by cop essentially. Mm-hmm. And you know when they go and pick up the body, they realize that the gun was empty. Right. And he was never he was and it's just sort of like he knew that he he was going to die. There was it was never going to end any other way. Um, and him pulling that empty gun is just an excuse. And like you say, Louis, like he, he essentially lets Louis off. But the I love the the final act that he has when he gives Louis a copy of, of Rashomon mm-hmm. and says you should read it and when you have let me know what you think <laughs> right and Louis there like but I just like shot you three times uh, and he just you can see that he just doesn't he doesn't get the fact that you know he he accepted he was going to die and that Louis was going to be the one to do it yeah well at the the basis level of it it's I am doing what we've been discussing this whole movie, which is giving my life for my master. And yeah. and that is what gives my life meaning. And and in that showdown, they have that discussion of like, I know you've got to do this because mm-hmm. I killed your boss and you have to take vengeance. And so I understand that I understand that you have to do this because of the code you live by. And because of that, and because of the code I live by, I'm, I'm letting you off. And oh man, it's so good. God <laughs> But again, it's utterly absurd. There's no reason Ooh. for it to happen. Not not just because it's a mobster v modern day black samurai. It's absurd because it's it's their beliefs that led them there. And Ooh. but at, again, it's it's the guy building the boat on the roof. It's yeah. I, you, you, you got to die. I started it. I'm going to end it. 
right yeah, that's right you gotta you gotta commit to it um you know and there's all of the quotes that come you know through the movie you know there's it's all about that commitment and you know there's one about making a decision within seven breaths yeah um and there's a you know there's a similar piece in uh, the book of five rings about you know you make sure every strike is a strike for death um and it's like you know you've got to commit to it once you're in that's it mm-hmm. there's no deviation and you just do it and it's just oh but even even giving Perline, who we, we really didn't talk about that much, you know, that's, again, his relationship with this little girl yeah. talking about books is completely different. You know, it, it, it's it's so outside of everything else. And it's that, the most he talks in the movie, really. Yes. Yeah, like he has the most in-depth conversation with this little girl who has a lunchbox full of books. Uh, one which includes night nurses. Um, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, she's got the kind of smutty... <laughs> like 60s yeah. novel in there too i really like that um yeah but she doesn't read it she just likes the cover yeah uh. yeah and and i think it's i think there's something that ghost dog sees in her that reminds him of himself in my constructed mm-hmm. world it's like oh he was the kid that was carrying around a bunch of weird books and mm. it led him down a very different path i would imagine than this girl is going to go down but uh but maybe not you never know uh, well that that final that final close out scene yeah you, you, you get that you know where you actually get the quote from the book from her about the end is important in all things and it's almost like she's she got on the bus. You know, he, he gave her a ticket. She's on the bus now. And, and she is, she's now following that path. In the Kamigata area, they have a sort of tiered lunchbox they use for a single day when flower viewing. Upon returning, they throw them away, trampling them underfoot. The end is important in all things. And the... All the blocks have fallen in place in, in this little brain. And like you say, it's almost as if he's he's self-perpetuated his own story with this little girl. Yeah, that they're, they seem to both be sort of lonely characters. And, mm. and, and but there is that collection of, uh, you know, his relationship with, uh, with the ice cream guy uh, who doesn't speak the language. And, like, there is a mm. distance that still remains between them to some degree. Uh, but also it's isolating because nobody, like, in a weird way, Ghost Dog is the one person who understands this guy because he's at least listening. And... Mm. You know, so there are all these characters are kind of misfits to one degree or another. Like nobody in this movie is just like, oh, he's a normal dude who works at an office. <laughs> it's it's all people who are like, you know, the girl who carries the lunchbox full of books or the samurai <laughs> who is, yeah. you know, um, like late twenties, the black French ice cream man, yeah. and yeah, and a a that. mob that is like. I assume they're just trafficking and nothing but stolen tuna sandwiches at this point. I mean, it looks just the worst. And, yeah, well, they can't even pay their rent. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah, yeah. It's just, I mean, it's a, it, it, it's the twilight of, of everything. Um, but, yeah, there's this weird... Like I said, I think there's a melancholy that kind of permeates this movie that I, I really respond to. And even though I think it's very funny at times, like I said, that scene where they interrogate Louie, I think it's genuinely very funny. And um, Passenger pigeons! I mean, just like... Wait, the the first day of autumn? When yeah. he's describing this and they're like, what what kind of bullshit have you brought me? 
Um, yeah. yeah, it's so but funny. Man. Even when, but even when that guy dies, right? You know, when we skipped over it briefly, but you know, when Ghost Dog breaks into the house, and, you know, he's confronting Vargo, and that old guy is there, and he, you know, Ghost Dog's there with two guns, and the guy gets up and starts shouting, and has a heart attack and dies. Yeah, and Ghost Dog just looks looks at him and just puts his gun down. Yeah, and just uh, <laughs> lowers that gun. Like, well, don't need that one. Uh, yeah, that's it. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, it no. Th- that's the thing is like there it because it is kind of a complicated movie and not not complicated in the sense that like oh you're never gonna understand it. It's more like no, it just has a lot of beats to it. It it's it's yeah. willing to be a little silly and funny. It's willing to be a little uh, uh, willing to be a little somber. Um, there's this weird sense of community and family that runs through it. It's just got a lot of things going on, a lot of ideas that that bounce around scene to scene, and and an overarching theme of of uh, like I said, you know, of sort of life passing you by, um, or or life passing by your very belief structure and Mm. which is something more significant right it's it's saying not just that hey you're getting older and are are less useful it's like everything that you believe in and stand for it just doesn't matter to anybody anymore and it's redundant right it's just it's no longer required and 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 seeing the last uh gasp of all of this and and coming to blows with one another but against the backdrop of a world that doesn't really care Mm. and because the the rest of the world it doesn't change no like no cops show up or anything like that it is no no nothing this happens um almost invisibly in the background and you know you you even get that look go right back to the start of the movie where he's walking through the city before he steals the first car you know and he's stepping past people behind people no one sees him he is completely invisible and everything in this you know points to the fact that these people are just they don't matter anymore yeah they're gone you know and it's just oh it's so so bizarre yeah even to right to the end where vargo's daughter is sitting in the car waiting for sunny to come back and again she's watching cartoons except she's watching itchy and scratchy yeah and when she's an old lady she'll still be watching itchy and scratchy watching and that's it yeah that that's that's it oh it's it like again when jarmish is firing on all cylinders there's almost no one better and this this movie is such a delightful combination of flavors um not just the kind of genre bending of the film but the fact that it's sort of a hip-hop mobster samurai movie and you're not going to get to say that very often right like that sounds cool even as it came out of my mouth i was like man somebody should make that movie oh shit they did and it was awesome so good so good all right so that really probably leads us into um favorite scene of the movie now i'm gonna say my favorite scene is actually sunny's death only for the fact that it is so it's so ridiculous um and ghost dog is so committed to it yeah and let's you know talk the 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 car sticking out of, of the the garage and everything about that it almost for me encapsulates everything about the movie that the, there's so many clashes in understanding and and it just it just works and it's so simple you know he just casually goes in takes the takes the thing off waits for for sunny in there because he can hear him sunny looks down that that plug hole and just poof 
<laughs> blows the back of his head off. You don't even see it. You just see the sink full of blood. Yeah. And that's it. And then it just cuts out. Definitely my favorite. It's fantastic. What about you? Uh... That's a great scene. My my favorite scene has nothing remotely violent, and it doesn't matter to the movie at all. Um, it is the scene where Ghost Dog and RZA run into each other on the street. Ah, uh, yes. And there's a great beat under it. And what they say to one another is RZA says upon seeing Ghost Dog, like they walk towards each other in slow motion and then just stop dead in front of each other. And Riza says, power and equality. And Ghost Dog says, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, always see everything, my brother. And then they pass like ships in the night. And if you take the first letter of every word that they say, it's the word peace. And, wow. And I fucking love that. It's there is something just audacious about it and weird and it encapsulates the movie to uh, to a T for me because it is undeniably cool. It's a little bit hammy and it, it there's something completely unique about even that moment of just Rizza coming out of nowhere, man, and just being like, "What up, yeah. Ghost Dog?" You're like, wow, in the world of Ghost Dog, Rizza is a thing. And yeah, <laughs> Rizza's just walking the streets, just being Rizza. Which was uh, actually a sort of reference to the fact that when he he was trying to, when, he, when Rizza was coming up with what the Wu-Tang Clan was going to be, he would he walk uh, the block like that in New York. And so the idea is that Ghost Dog meets Rizza while Rizza is coming up with Wu Tang. <laughs> ah, right, my brain, right, my brain. and like none of that, like n- none of that is set in stone. But for sure, Rizza used to do that. And if you're oh, gonna, wow. <laughs> if you're gonna have Ghost Dog meet Rizza, anyway, I love yeah. it. It's like. <laughs> That is the greatest episode where, like, uh, guests show up on Scooby-Doo, you know? (laughs) If it's like, tonight, the gang is joined by Ghost Dog and RZA. Uh, On a very special episode of Blossom. (laughs) Right. Whoa. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I love that scene. It, It don't have nothing to do with nothing. But it is uh, just one of, like I said, it is the prime example of what this movie is. It's just this oddity that shouldn't work and then totally does. Uh, without a doubt. Like, and I've learned something new. I didn't know about the, the peace thing that's in there. Now I'm going to have to go back and, and, and watch it again just to get that in my head. Yeah, just- you have to make the, the uh, always see everything. Uh, the letter C instead of the word C, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, 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 power and equality, wow. power and equality always see everything. Okay. Wow. Uh-huh. Just, uh... <sighs> <sighs> All right. Well, uh, I don't think there's any question. Obviously, leader of the pack is definitely Forrest Whitaker as Ghost Dog. Um, although, a, a shout out to to Little Perline. I, I reckon there's a story in there for her. Yeah, the, like it's the the movie we need is that daughter of the bride, uh, or not the daughter oh. of the bride, the daughter of uh, what was her name? Uh, 
what not water moccasin yeah. was it and kill bill like her daughter oh the, yeah her daughter I, and Pearline. that would be awesome that would be seeking awesome. vengeance yeah yeah um and obviously it's a five out of five for me oh yeah i'm sure you agree yeah yeah, yeah I, it ought to be easy. a six um <laughs> it ought to be a six it, yeah. yeah so everyone everyone should see this movie without a shadow of a doubt and like i said if you get the opportunity definitely see uh le samurai and branded to kill um only for the fact that just watching the pieces all fit together branded to kill is pretty bonkers it is just for anyone that hasn't seen it there's a it's all about assassins trying to be number one but there's a guy that gets turned on by the smell of boiled rice um <laughs> there, there's a there's a lot of like dead butterflies <laughs> there's a lot of killing there's people having sex on the stairs mm-hmm. um lots of really weird camera angles um well, okay. it is black and white but oh it's it is it's 100 percent worth watching but you've really got to commit to it <laughs> do you have uh maybe this is just again me me getting older and watching betty boop cartoons of my own um mm. do you have those moments where you're like i want to watch a black and white movie i don't even care what oh, it is absolutely. i just gotta watch a black absolutely and white movie. half the reason that i'm doing this show is because on the weekend i'll go you know what i really i feel like a saturday afternoon matinee and i'm gonna watch you know double indemnity or something else in in, in black and white just because it just feels right yeah and it it it, 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 it does something just almost like i don't know just relaxing to my whole brain and everything else it just just softens out it's not jarring and i can just let it wash over me absolutely let it wash over me there is i don't know what it is you know even you know well mad max fury road the the black and chrome version Mm -hmm. of that movie is freaking awesome it's the same movie it's just in black and white yeah and it's just, but yeah, look, I will, like I said, literally on the weekend, cheerfully sit and watch a black and white movie for no other reason than it's black and white. Yeah, I, I probably watched the Vincent Price House on Haunted Hill about three oh, times man. over the past, I don't know, yeah. four months. Yeah. Uh, oh, where nice. I just, every now and again, I'm like, I, this movie is like an hour and 18 minutes. I can, and, and it, 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 just like you say, it, it, it's like putting on uh, a favorite pair of shoes or something where mm. you just ease into it. You're like, oh my goodness, this is so good. Oh, look at that yeah. skeleton. That's silly. <laughs> well, you know what? I, early this week, I made my lunch and I sat and watched the Maltese Falcon. Yeah. Boy, it's been a number of years since I've seen that. Uh, I, I've been wanting to to go back and watch uh, some of that, some of the early noir stuff. And mm. um, I watched M about mm, oh. two weeks ago, which is okay. early, early noir. But uh, um, boy, that's a movie. Yeah. That, that Peter Laurie yeah. is a little bit of a creep in that film. Peter Laurie's a little bit of creep in everything. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of the Maltese Falcon, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, uh, there, there is something about... I, I do, Double Indemnity is a, such a good movie. There is something oh. I, I find really oddly comforting about those movies where it's just, you know, boy, the, the that dame was really walking around on a couple of twig sticks. <laughs> yes. Well, the the, the 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 internal monologue that you get with those, yeah. is So, and, but again, you get that with this movie when he's when he he's reading the passages from the book. And look, I love I love a movie with narration. We talked about this when we were talking about Looper. And it, an internal narrative is something that I just I'll even watch Blade Runner with 
with the narrative on it. You That's how much I love monster. it. Monster. <laughs> I know. People hate that so much. There are so many people that just go, that is just wrong and you shouldn't. Uh, but I will and I have, so damn you. Now, if, while people are cursing me, um, before we... Ad- call it a day if you will uh would you like to let people know where they can find your fine fine work sure you can uh find you know this program and a number of other very good programs uh over at legionpodcasts.com uh you can find us on twitter at legion podcasts uh all that stuff is plural you can also uh see uh you know somewhat video versions of uh all the podcasts over on youtube.com forward slash legion podcasts uh as well as you know spotify and all that stuff and uh i think that's it i feel like we're Oh, Ned, I think you've sold yourself a little bit short. Uh, I think there's one show that uh, is one of my personal favorites that you should tell people about. Uh, which one was that? What did I for- Pick six movies. Oh, I thought I mentioned that earlier, but maybe I didn't. Maybe I did it in an alternate universe. Yeah, pick six movies. Uh, yeah, so pick six movies. We are. Uh, we just launched season 12, uh, which is entitled um, As Seen on TV. The idea is we take a theme like as seen on TV, we pick six movies, uh, hence the title, and uh, we, we we do a little history of the movie or something related to the movie. And then me and my buddy Chad, who I've known uh, since I was literally in kindergarten. Um, Goodness. Yeah, we've known each other for a very long time. And uh, we talk about the movie and then make a bunch of jokes about old man shit that we find funny (laughs) and do a bunch of bad voices and whatnot. Um, Hey, if you want to hear me do a real shitty Sean Connery, um, head over to uh, Pick 6 Movies Season 12, Episode 1, where we talk about the Avengers. Uh, Not the one with Captain America, the one with uh, Sir Weatherington. Uh, the, as, as as Sean Connery tries to blackmail England by selling them weather, <laughs> and Uma Thurman, and, right? yes, Uma and Thurman Uma Thurman too? doing a bad British accent, uh, oh. but she is in a leather cat suit for uh, much of the film, and that goes a long way. Wow, um, oh, that does go a long way. Yeah, it's a real, yeah, it's a real mess of a movie. Eddie Izzard is in that movie. And I adore Eddie Azard. I think he's a very, very funny man. And he is my all-time favorite action transvestite, without a shadow of a doubt. Yes, he he is a terrific guy, and uh, has one line in the movie. And you're like, what? What are you even paying for? The the one thing that the this <laughs> Eddie Azard is known for turning a phrase, and the last thing you want him to do is talk in your movie. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's a real mess of a film. But we we joke about that and and much more on Pick 6 Movies. You can find that over on uh, legionpodcasts.com as well. Uh, or pick6movies.com. Yeah, that's got its own website because Chad has more time than I do. So... Uh, more power to him, I say. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, hey, put it everywhere, man. And just, if you want to go around and just force people to listen to that show, I'd, I'd be cool with it. Um, those things take forever to put together. It takes a lot of work. Uh, <laughs> but i love it i wouldn't it I, is fantastic stuff and people should uh, people should listen because it is fantastic stuff thank you very much uh and and i think uh this show not the podcast as a whole but this episode in particular is maybe uh the finest podcast that ever was <laughs> 
Well, look, I don't want to say too much, but you're probably right. Yeah. Um, indifference to that, in two weeks' time, we will be going back to the 50s with a bit of teensploitation with Reform Schoolgirl from 1957. Now, be a good fella and leave a rating or review on whatever app you're listening to the show on and make sure you share it with the rest of your gang on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram as GOHpod or at www.gohpod.com. Most of all, make sure you say hello to your little friend for me. Pass your pigeon.